put your hands together even more. Would you, if you're physically able, would stand in honor of the word. Stand now. <laughs> wow. If you want to be encouraged by the words of that song, just go to your Bible and turn to Psalm 121 later. Because those are the words of that song. I think about terrorism. I think about biochemical warfare. I think about planes being used as missiles. I think about trains and buses and subways and harbors and airports. I'm vigilant. I'm concerned. I pray. But I never go to sleep, Brother Jim, panicking and worried that if I sleep tonight, some terrorist is going to kill me. I never get out on the interstate wondering if my car is going to get blown up because I'm so paranoid. I'm vigilant, but all of my help comes from the Lord. I will lift up mine eyes unto the Lord. He is my creator, my savior, my keeper, and my coming king. All of my help, your help, comes from the Lord. So I, I, I can be okay because he is my strong tower. You will turn in a moment to scripture, but before you do, let me just say to all the ladies in our church family, to all you ladies, beginning tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock here in the Fellowship Commons, is the next series of Bible study. Bethmore video Bible study series that is uh, led by my wife on the title of the patriarchs. You've been hearing about this the last three or four weeks. And so the books are still available for a copy. You pay $15. It's a study guide. We don't make money on it, but it's a wonderful, powerful. And for many of you have been in study of this nature. And you know how powerful it is. If you haven't, then you will want to be engaged in this series of studies with other women of like precious faith for beginning tomorrow evening. And then, brethren, we pray at 7, so I want you to keep that in mind. Your scriptures, please, could you, could you take them in hand and go to the book of Micah, chapter 7, please. The book of Micah, chapter 7. It is in the Old Testament. It is near the end of the Old Testament. And it is a small book. It is categorized in scripture as uh, one of the books among the minor prophets. M-I-N-O-R, minor prophets. <clears throat> it's referred to as a minor prophet only because the message of the book is shorter compared to other major prophets. But this is a minor prophet with a major message. And so Micah chapter 7, verse 8. But I'd like you to keep your scriptures open because there are other references in this book to which I'd like to bring your attention. Verse 8, chapter 7. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Say amen. amen. Verse 9. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until He pleads my case and executes justice for me. He will bring me forth to the light. I will see His righteousness. Verse 10. Then she who is my enemy will see, and shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her. Now she will be trampled down like mud in the streets. If you'll give us the next slide, please. And this is the thought, as you already assumed, a day of remembrance. 
I don't want to belabor it, but I do need anointing to make it through this word because I don't want my words to be what you hear. You'll hear my voice, but I'd rather you hear his words. Amen. Would you point your hands in my direction so that all of us may be edified by the word today? Would you offer a few seconds of prayer for me? Father, I feel your presence today. And I just wanted to be richer and deeper. I know the people that hear about me, and I, I don't want them to be here about me, because if they are, they'll be disappointed. But we all here because of Jesus, because of his favor and his grace, because we want more. I pray for ears to hear for all of us what the Spirit would say to the church. I pray, oh God, for impartation as we listen. And the ability, God, to not only hear it, but to receive it and apply it. God, when we leave here today, we would know that we have sat in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And we thank you that you've given us that unction in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen it is. Thank you. You may be seated in his presence. It is remarkable to me how relevant the Word of God is for our present time, though much of it has been written, well, actually all of it has been written long before our time. When I see such resemblance, as I see in the book of Micah to September 11, 2011, I cannot just go by it. It is to this text the Holy Spirit has drawn my attention for this morning. And so in order for us to get to where we need to be by the way of His Word, let me give you a brief background of this book of Micah that's written by the prophet of the same name. Historians tell us that Micah lived and preached during the reign of three kings. They were Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. That was about 700 years before the time of Jesus Christ and 2,700 years before our time. The great political enemy of God's people in the days of Micah were the Assyrians. Micah saw the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel destroyed by the Assyrians. In the year 722 B.C. But the most destructive enemy of the people of God then is the same destructive enemy of the people of God in America today. Though it's been 2,700 years. And that enemy is sin. The hordes of Assyria... The Bible says, though they were vast in number and strength, nonetheless as the sand of the sea, the armies of Assyria, they were no threat to God. Because the Bible says God saw them as a reed in the wind. Matter of fact, during Hezekiah's reign, God slew 185,000 soldiers in one night in order to save the holy city. I'm laying a foundation here, so, so get this if you will. External threats are not the most dangerous enemies of our lives. The most dangerous enemy to America 
Though dangerous is not extreme radical Islamists or other people who have agenda of terrorism. What would bring Judah and Jerusalem to ruin in their day was their sin. And so God sent Micah to call the people of his day to repent. And he sent Micah to warn them of coming judgments if they don't return to God. There's a very close resemblance to the message Micah gave to the people of God 2,700 years ago. And to what the Word of God speaks to us today. Might I just bear some of those resemblance to you briefly. Scripture tells us that in Micah 2, verses 1 and 2, and it's on the screen for you, that there was corruption in politics and government back then. You know, most of us have lived long enough to realize that on some occasions, power corrupts. Some occasions. And I like the New Living Translation as it renders these words and see if it doesn't resonate for our time. Micah 2, 1 and 2. What sorrow awaits you who lie awake at night thinking up evil plans. You rise at dawn and hurry to carry them out simply because you have the power to do so. When you want a piece of land, you find a way to seize it. When you want someone else's house, you take it by fraud or violence. You cheat a man of his property, stealing his family's inheritance. It's happened. It's happening now. Because some people have power and authority, they mandate things to the loss of other people's only means of survival. Corruption in government. There's another comparison. Micah makes a comparison. Oh, he makes this message to his people, but it's a comparison for us. There was dishonesty in business. You read about it in chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Follow with me and I'll read it. Micah says, how can I tolerate your merchants who use dishonest scales and weights? The rich among you have become wealthy through extortion and violence. Your citizens are so used to lying that their tongues can no longer tell the truth. You remember Madoff, who made off with a lot? Just one example of taking people's hard-earned money that they invest to get a little bit of interest and pulling a scheme. Micah says not only is there dishonesty in business and corruption in government, but there's greed in the pulpit. Can't leave the preachers out. I don't shout so loud because I'm preaching. You might be thinking about somebody else. But I know where you're headed. Even the clergy. He says in chapter 3 verse 5, this is what the Lord says. You false prophets are leading my people astray. You promise peace for those who give you food, but you declare war on those who refuse to feed you. It's kind of saying if, the, if they can give you a fat check and an offering, you'll prophesy over their family and marriage wonderful things and neglect their sins. But if they can't give you anything, you'll condemn them. You preachers are getting fat over the sheep I told you to shepherd. And God says, I'm going to judge you. 
But he says, I didn't come here to all this negative stuff. Well, I'm, it's the word of God, and you can't leave because I locked the door. It was an evil day. Micah had the unpopular job of warning people that the corruption in business, commerce, religion, and politics, if it continued, it was going to bring terrible judgment from God if people didn't repent. How many of us know that God will give us so much time to repent and call so much time, and then after a while, He'll draw a line in the sand and say, enough is enough. Micah says, if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen. And he, he says this in verses, in chapter 4, verse 10. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman with birth pangs. For you shall go forth from the city, you shall dwell in the field, and to Babylon you shall go. He's saying if you continue to be corrupt in all these areas of your life and not repent as an individual, as a church, as a temple, as a people, as a nation, a foreign, a foreign power is going to come in, the Babylonians, and they're going to cart you off. And you think you have it hard now. I want you to observe a truth with me this morning. That the Holy Spirit would have us to learn. Me and all of us together. This truth is as follows. The consequences of backsliding can only be judgment. If I as an individual, we as a family, we as a church, and we as America continue to turn the other way. Instead of the way of the obedience of the word of God. And if we fail... To follow his directives and instructions that he says, if you do this, I will bless you. But if you don't do it, you'll be judged. God has no alternative because he's just than to judge. The consequences for any of us. How can we expect to live loosely and violate the word of God? And expect God to give us favor as an individual or a nation. And I say that to tell you that on occasions in scripture, God would allow nations and individuals to be judged in order to get them back in line to where he could bless them. The book of Micah is divided into three sections and I need to hurry through this. One third of the book of Micah exposes the sin of his countrymen. In his prophetic message, one third of his, the recorded words talks about, this is what's wrong with our land. Another third of the book of Micah pictures the punishment that God is about to send. Micah is saying, look, you need to turn around. Because not only is God going to judge us, but He's going to tell us the degree to which we're going to suffer. And if you get an idea of where you're headed, and you feel remorse enough, and you don't want to head down to the hog pen of sin and the captivity of other people, it's good for you to know what judgment is coming, so maybe you won't even go that way. And then the final third of the book of Micah holds out the hope of restoration once the discipline of God has ended. Can I get an amen? Amen. 
Because here's the beauty of God. He doesn't take delight in just judging us and putting us through the mill and bringing storms into our lives just because He's a God that takes pleasure in us suffering. Any wonderful parent or grandparent does not discipline his child or children just because they want to be mean and hateful and they have the power so they can abuse a child. Any loving parent and grandparent uh, who know that their child operates in the way of their own natural flesh and sometimes will do wrong things correct their child or children because they want to bring them back in line so that they can love them and bless them more. I would, I would tell you that the theme of the book of Micah, though it's not evident from what I told you to this point, the theme of the book of Micah is one of submission and hope. Micah says to his people like God says to America today, If you will submit to me, there is hope for your salvation. The theme of the book can be found in Micah 6 and 8. And here's the word of the Lord. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly? To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. It's not so hard as you think it is, Micah says, to get the favor of God. It's not so hard as the devil makes it look like to you, for you to serve God. What God asked for then, he asked for this morning of all of us. To do justly. To love mercy and to walk humbly before God. So, thus ends the brief overview of the book of Micah. But here's a question I want to address in the remainder of time that we have. And it is this. What is the behavior of a child of God and a nation under affliction? Make no mistake, brothers and sisters. Ten years ago today, we were under affliction. And make no mistake, we as a nation still continue to be under affliction. And if our text tells us anything this morning, it tells us that God will, on occasion, allow a foreign enemy to mete out judgment on a nation. But God would only let them go so far. Because there is hope when a nation turns around. Because Micah says about the hope of God, When I fall, I will arise. Micah says because God, when I repent, God's going to plead my case. And I will go forth like a light. When I repent, I will see His righteousness again. So, the question, what is the behavior of a child of God and a nation under affliction? How should we respond? Here's a, a thought. Submit to God. Can I get an amen? Now, now here's Micah 7, 9 Part B of the verse. Well, let's start with the first part. I will bear the indignation of the Lord. 
That's the New King James Version. I like the way some of the other versions put it. And I'm just trying to give a little teaching here. Listen to what it says in the New International Translation. I will be patient as the Lord punishes me. I will bear the Lord's wrath. The New International Version. I'm going to submit to God in the contemporary English version. It says, I must endure his anger. You see, my brothers and sisters, various are the trials that the people of God are called to endure at times. There is not a promise in the Bible that we will be exempt from distressing circumstances. Into every life, storms will come. Can I get an amen? Amen. And sometimes as a Christian, you may experience more storms because the devil wants to get you back into a backslidden state so he can damn your soul. Everyone shares the common sorrow of humanity. Whether you're saved or unsaved, storms will come into your life. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And in my 40-something years of living in America... Back then it was 30-something years. I had never seen more unity and compassion and cohesion than I saw on the heels of 9-11-2001. As it didn't matter your political party, it didn't matter your color of your skin, it didn't matter your educational background, it didn't matter whether you lived in a palace, Oh, you lived in some kind of other abode when we were faced with this commonality of people wanting to wipe us all out. We locked arms together and we joined hands and we helped out one another. And that's the kind of way that God still wants us to flow as a nation. You see, when I think about all these negative things happening, I am here to tell you that no matter what you suffer... God knows about it. Amen. And, and you may not agree with me here, but hear me out, okay? Hear me out and see if it doesn't have premise in the Word of God, then you can throw it out. But if it has premise in the Word of God, then it belongs to be obeyed. Some of which we suffer, actually, not only does God know, but it comes from Him. He lets it happen. Because he has a process. And if we can't learn from being rebuked, chastened, then here comes a spanking. Where do you get that, Pastor? From the book? I'm going to teach you a little bit now. Follow this, okay? Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. It's a little lengthy, but follow with me. Everybody still out there in Radio Land? Look at this. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Correction, it means rebuke. Don't despise it. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And scourges every son he receives. I'll go further in verse number 7, please. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father doesn't chasten? I could stop and preach there because I knew a few of your sons and daughters. Well, anyhow, mine too. Verse 8. 
But if you are without chastening, of which all of us have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. You, you, you hear the word here? Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Come on, help me here. You, you know, with, with mamas, they were the kids all day long. If they, if they homeschool them and they, and they take care of them and don't have them in the daycare, the mama's with them all day long. And pretty soon that little son will get, or, or daughter or kids will just kind of take mama for granted. But all mama got to say, daddy's coming home soon. And when daddy corrects, he gets respect. And it should be the same for mama, but that's kind of weird. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirit and life? God is, is seeking our respect of him. Because he's worthy of it. I, I, I'm hurrying. For they indeed, meaning earthly fathers, for they indeed for a few days chasten us as seem best to them. But he, a heavenly father, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Can somebody say amen? amen. God will allow America, God will allow Alan and Daryl and Eddie and others of us to go through some fire and some persecution. Because God wants to reclaim us back to his holy standards whereby he can bless us once more. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. You ever had your mom and dad tell you they got a rod after you about this going to hurt me worse than it hurts you? And you're thinking you're lying, didn't you? No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'm telling you all that to tell you that God will chasten America again if we need it. Or you and I, for a time, as a means of correcting and renewing our naturally corrupt hearts. But if I fall... I will arise. Help me with praising the Lord. So, the question is, what is the behavior of the child of God and a nation under affliction? Submit to God. Here's another thing. Realize that God is just. When the storm comes in, realize that God knows what He's doing. I say to you, now this is the last part of verse 7. Micah says, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him. Can I get a witness, somebody? In other words, God knows. And many of you can say, like I have in my journey of life, when we've got into sticky places. And we've gotten to places that resulted in pain and hurt in our lives and hurt in other people's lives who love us by our misbehavior, misdeed, misconduct, poor actions. Many of us, when we look back on it, we can say to ourselves, you know what, I'm the mess I'm in because I made the mess myself. Go ahead and say amen, somebody. Yeah. You know, we can wear a t-shirt that says, all we want to, the devil made me do it. No, 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 yeah. you was helping the devil. Yeah, I won't point you out, Pastor Calvin. Uh, 
and I'm only kidding. Who, to, who of us can argue with God? The Bible says, agree with your adversary right away while he's on the way. Meaning if y'all are headed to court, your adversary and you, and you're going before the judge, and you know your adversary got a case against you, you might as well go ahead and agree with him before you get to the court, because unless you agree and say, look, I'm guilty, yeah, let's settle this and do it in a way that won't cost me more pain. It's best for us sometimes to put aside, uh, give me this, give me this, give me that, God bless America, do all this kind of stuff, and say, God, I repent. God, I knew better, and I didn't do it. I knew I should give, and I didn't give. I knew I should forgive, and I didn't forgive. I knew I should have held my tongue, but I cussed and swore, and I asked you to forgive me. I knew I shouldn't have pushed that button on that computer to expose a lot of garbage in my mind and and corruption of pornography, but I did it anyhow, and I asked you to forgive me. I knew, oh God, I should not let my anger and my... Oh, somebody's getting quiet, but you know I'm telling you that we have to say to God along the way, God, you are right in judging me. Just don't kill me. Have mercy. Let me point out very quickly. Aaron, the brother of Moses in the Old Testament, had two sons who were in the priesthood by way of their calling and Aaron's family's calling to the priestly office. In the book of Leviticus chapter 10, the Bible says God killed both of his sons at a worship service one morning because they offered strange fire to God. They were trained in the priesthood, Nadab and Abihu. Who? Yeah, Nadab and Abihu. They saw their daddy all their lives prepare the fire, prepare the sacrifice, prepare the oil. You don't just go up in the house of God as a priest and come up in the holy place and just say, you know, I got ball games to go see and I got golf. I got to go hit a ball somewhere and I got to go to a restaurant to eat. So I'll just kind of show up here and just kind of go through the motion. When you, when you handle holy things, there's a holy God. They just kind of lit the fire and kind of promiscuously and, and, and flippantly have worship just because that was their job. And God killed them instantly. And before their daddy, Aaron, could open his mouth to blame God, Moses said to Aaron in Leviticus 10 and 3, This is what the Lord says. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all people, I must be glorified. I don't care if they're your boys and they're priests and they wear the garment. They still must glorify me. You remember the Bible? David. King David. Should have gone out to war with the rest of his troops because it was a time that kings go to war. He goes on the top part of his house, the roof of his house, where the houses were constructed differently. So they had flat roofs there. He looks yonder way and there's a woman bathing on the roof of her house and she is naked. And he sends to find out who she is. And it is told to David that she is another man's wife. His name is Uriah. He, David has wives, not, not singular, plural, wives. He, he, and if he got bored with them, and this is not a philosophy I adopt. Uh, if he got bored with them, he had concubines. You understand? 
Okay? You know, uh, somebody says, that didn't in the Bible they allow more than one wife? And, and God did in the Old Testament. But every time I saw where God allowed a, more than one wife in the Old Testament, they got in trouble. You reckon there's a kind of exit door right here I can go out of? Even though David knew that he got to be king because God pulled him out of a shepherd field when he had a slingshot and watching over smelly sheep and raised him up to be the second king of Israel and gave him more than he could ever hope for. He went along with his passion and his lust and committed adultery with another man's wife. In order to cover it up, he killed the man. He killed, he murdered the man. And then a baby was conceived in that sexual, illicit sexual union. And, and when the baby was conceived and born, the baby was sick unto death. And David went into a place by himself and took off his kingly attire and went to pray unto God and saying, God, even though I sinned and I done wrong, have mercy on the baby. And God took the life of the baby. And when David came to his senses, he realized that God could have judged me worse than that. And God is justified in judging me. Because it wasn't God that killed my child. It was my sin that killed my child. Uh, Listen, listen to me. You remember Eli in the Old Testament? Eli had two sons. He was the high priest of Israel. Uh, Listen to me now. His two boys were in the priesthood, but they were having fornication and adultery with the worshippers of the temple. Oh, God help me. Oh, Jesus. They would take the best of the meat that was brought to the altar of God to offer up, and they would, they would gorge themselves on things that were supposed to go to God. And God, through Eli's adopted son, Samuel. You remember Hannah had a boy? Put him in the house of God. He became Eli's adopted son. Because Eli was so far from God and his boys so far from God, God couldn't speak to them. But he spoke to little Samuel and he warned Eli, if you and your boys continue the path that you're going, I'm going to kill and judge your family. And the Bible says on the same day, Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, died. And when the message got back to Eli, he was sitting on a bench outside the city gate. He heard the message of his boys dying. He fell over backward and died of a broken neck. I'm not glorifying anybody being punished, but I'm here to tell you that when we go to blame God, we need to first take some examination and say, God, it's not you that is hurting me. You are not against me. You're for me. And I didn't listen the first time. And if I listened... I'd be blessed. How many know God is just? Give him some thanks. Now hear me, okay? Hear me. I don't want to lose you. Listen here. Here's a final thought. And that is when a nation or a people are under duress, affliction. Even though we we realize that we got to submit to God, that's the best way to go. We got to acknowledge that God is just. There's hope. Hope in God. Because the Bible says in chapter 7 verse 9, Until God pleads my case and executes justice for me, He will bring me forth to light. I will see His righteousness. But, but there's more. Look, look at this, please. In Micah 7, 18 and 19, let me read it. You look on the screen. Who is like you, God? There's no God like Jehovah. You know... I, I've been trying, I, I wanted to teach, but I got some of that T.D. Jake spirit going on in me. 
Oh, Jesus. You're all just going to go eat someplace after this anyhow. And so, who is like you, God? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever. Somebody ought to say amen. You ever met people, just look right this way. Look, everybody, look straight at me. You ever met people who could forgive but not forget? Yeah, that's why I want you to look this way because they're probably sitting beside you. He does not retain his anger forever. But he delights in what? Everybody shout mercy. Shout it again. One more time. Every one of us here today are the product of God's mercy. If you're glad for mercy, put your hands together and praise the Lord. I'm telling you, you and I ain't nearly so fine as we think we are. You ain't nearly so righteous as you think you are. If it wasn't for grace and mercy, we'd be on our way to bust hell wide open. But God pardons our sins. Come on, give a lot of clap. Okay, hold on just a moment. I ain't finished yet, but I'm getting happier as I finish. He will have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. And will cast all our sins into the depth of the sea. Now, you shouted, but you're going to get quiet here, but I don't mind. I'm going to wrap it up just like this. I don't mind if you get quiet. We still got major problems in America. We still got a lot of sins. Ten years hasn't taught us what we should have learned. About, about three or four weeks after 9-11, 2001, churches were filled up all over America for three or four weeks. After that, everybody go back to their ho-hum. We'll, we'll call on you, God, when we have another tragedy. In America, abortion is still the law of the land, and some of your and my taxpayer money are going to kill babies. we got to repent. Since 9-11, public prayer and before that has been banned from our schools and our government buildings. We still have to repent. In America, Islam has more freedoms than Christianity. And we got to repent because this is a Christian nation and not anything else, even though we may be in the minority. We, we still have some repenting to do. Since 9-11-2001, sex and sexual promiscuity is more rampant and, and more prevalent all over this nation. Computers, cell phones, sexting, all kinds of vulgar behavior and sins in regards to entertainment industry, in regards to movies and music industry. Since 2001, 9-11-2001, homosexuality has become more blatant and perverse and pronounced in America. Since that time, there are now five states in America that legalizes the union of same sex. That God will judge. Somebody said, and I think they're right, somebody said that Dr. Billy Graham said years ago, if God doesn't judge America for its sexuality and its homosexuality and sodomy, if God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You listen to me. You hear me. 
One of the worst mayors in all of America is the mayor of New York City, Mr. Bloomberg. You can tell him I said so. Send him the tape, okay? And we got all the others just like him. The governor of New York is in the same trash category that he's in. Act like you're not afraid of anybody, are you, Alan? I'm, fear, I'm fearful of God. But I'm not running for dog catcher or president. But I'm here to tell you, Mr. Bloomberg made it his point that when the law of New York changed to marry same sex, he put it in the face of America and officiated the same sex union as a mayor of the largest city in the whole America for the whole world to see. I'm Mayor Bloomberg and we believe in same sex union and I'm going to officiate the first couples. We don't sit here in America and act like we're some righteous, wonderful. We've got a lot of repenting to do. Oh, Jesus. Americans still divorce for convenience by the multiple thousands. We've got to save our families. Drunkenness and addiction is part of the culture in a negative way. We've got to pray, God, have mercy on us. And I could go on and on, but I, you know that even though we don't have many idol temples in America, we got some where you have statues made depicting certain gods. We in America have made idols out of Hollywood people, out of sports personalities. We have made idols out of the house we live in and the car we drive in and the degree we have behind our name. Now you all might as well help me here or pray for me or something. Because if anything you pursue more passionately than the Word of God and the love of God and the presence of Jesus, anything that takes more of your time and your value and your money than the things of God is in danger of becoming an idol. So, would you please stand with me? I I gotta... Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I just want us this morning to approach God with a closing prayer. Can I get an amen, somebody? And, and you know that praise song when they leave this morning, that one y'all was singing. Ah, oh, that one, uh, oh, y'all sang so many of them. Redeemer. Yeah. Defender. That's why I'm not a music pastor. I can tell that you're looking at me. Yeah. I, I don't want you to leave here mad and upset. If you do, you know, God bless you. But I want you to leave here like Alan Mature needs to leave here. I got to think beyond my little circle. I'm in America. I am an American, and I don't apologize for that. I'm an American by choice. And if I had to choose it all over again, I'd be an American again. Okay? Can you understand? It is still the greatest country in the world. Okay? But what makes it great is not so much the people in high visibility. What makes it great is people like you, 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 and you, who understand that all of our strength comes from the Lord. I'm going to ask you to do three things with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to, if you need to, and I need to, with deep heartfelt prayer, repent. Of, because sometimes silence is approval of something negative. Well, Pastor, I didn't say nothing. Maybe you should have. We might need to repent in our silence of abortion, in our silence of same-sex marriage. Can, can I get an amen here? And, and would you do a second thing with me? Would you say, God, I want to abhor, I want to detest and dislike every sin, but I want to love the sinner. I want to love the sinner. And then I, I want you to believe with me that God will hear you. Believe with me that God will hear you. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Lift up your voices. Don't care what your neighbor is praying or saying. I want you to pray loud enough for you to hear yourself. Come on. I don't want you to just hear me. Come on. Raise your voices. In the name of the Lord. Begin with repentance on our part. Come on. In Jesus' name. Father, I lead this church in prayer. Come on, everybody.
God, Lord, I want to pray beginning in my life. Come on, church. Search me. Try me. Again, I know, oh God, I, I, I know that I'm not, no, I'm not in a big shake, oh God. And I ask you to forgive me today. I ask you, God, to forgive me for, for, for silence and for not speaking out and acting in a way, oh God, that causes me to represent the Lord Jesus Christ to others. I ask you, God, come on, pray with me. God, forgive our sins in our marriages. In our families, pray, 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 church. In our jobs, in our schools, oh God. Father, help us not to think that we can just get in our houses and close our doors and we are not in the world. Oh God, you told us to be salt and light today. And I pray that everywhere we go, we would add flavor and light to our world. Oh God, I'm not just praying for America, I'm praying for me. I thank you that when you judged me, you didn't kill me. Somebody say amen. I thank you, O oh God, that you held the hand of the enemy. And that the fourth airplane on 9-11-2001, the fourth airplane did not get to its destination because you held the hand of the enemy. Say amen, church. God, I pray that we'll not get accustomed to the sin of homosexuality and adultery and fornication. Say amen, church. I pray that we'll not get accustomed to corruption in government and corruption in business and corruption in the church. I pray, oh God, that there will always be a remnant that will rise up like a majority and pray and repent and defend our land. Somebody say amen. God, I pray you'd help us to hate the things you hate and love the things you love. Come on, help me, church. I pray, oh God, that whatever breaks your heart will break my heart. Oh God, I pray today, if there's any secret things in our lives that need to come under the blood of Jesus, right now, ask God to forgive you. Come on. God, forgive us and bring to light what needs to be in the light. And I believe that you will hear us and you will heal us. I believe that you'll use all of us, God, to make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands to me. Take somebody by the hand on either side of you. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable and just have you do that. I know it's kind of awkward. Cross the aisle. Go. Unity. I want, I want unity. Take somebody by the hand. My God, my God, my God. And I want you to pray with the understanding that we are accountable for each other. Can I get an amen? I want us to pray with the understanding that we shouldn't judge and expose somebody else's stuff. We should pray and love them in Jesus' name. I want, you to, I want you to pray over each other right now. Go ahead. In Jesus' name, pray. Pray over their family. Pray over their health. Pray over their children. Holy Ghost will show you. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. I praise you, Jesus. Oh, God. We join hands today. We plead the blood of Jesus. My God, I thank you today. I thank you, Heavenly Father. That as I join hands with my brother and we join hands with our sisters. May the blood of Jesus Christ be our protection. Come on, pray protection over them. I pray no arrow of the enemy would pierce their garment. I pray the blood of Jesus Christ would cover them. I pray the name of Jesus over them. Come on. I pray no weapon formed against them shall prosper. I pray you bless them with a sound mind and a healthy body. I pray you bless them going out of their house and they're coming back in. 
I pray you bless them when they lay down and when they get up. I pray you bless them in their jobs. Bless them in school, oh God. I pray no disease in their lives. No terrorists. No nightmares. Oh, let the power of God be in their life. Raise your hands now by yourselves and just praise Him. Go ahead, Pastor Chad. Sing for us. Come on. Come on. Raise your hands. workers and intercessors to come and stand around the altar and if you need prayer before you go they'll be waiting on you have a great day god bless you as you go sing my again my brother if you need prayer come and receive it